Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, a loss. Oh no, the Sens B-Squad falls at the Bell Center 4-3. But one positive from the game is Matthew Joseph with two goals starting his revenge tour. And what does that mean for any potential trade in the Senators' cap situation with Shane Pinto unsigned? All that plus day seven line combinations and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Schlitzler, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome to episode 883 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains, a reminder that you can find Locked On Senators wherever you download your podcast. We are also free and available on YouTube. You can follow the show on social media at Send Central on Twitter, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram, and make sure you subscribe. We just reached 6,500 subscribers. Let's get that thing to 10K. Today is Thursday, September 28th, and Pilsy. I would like to congratulate the Montreal Canadiens on their first preseason win in three years. Yeah, I mean, that's huge for them. For a team like that, a franchise like that, that's something to be celebrated. Uh, maybe we'll see a banner in the rafters as uh, Habs fans are now saying on Twitter they own the Senators after one preseason win by one goal against uh, a very bare lineup uh, for the Ottawa Senators. So, you know what? Good good for them. I'm, I'm happy for them. Goalie-friendly show, Eunice Corpusalo made his sense debut. The numbers weren't pretty. Four goals on not a lot of shots, but uh, made a few good saves. What was your first impression on Corpy? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to really get a proper judgment on him with, uh, like I mentioned, the lineup being the way it is, going up against a, uh, a team like the Montreal Canadiens. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, I thought, honestly, the first three goals, not a big deal, like kind of, Tough, quick plays, lots of chaos in the in the crease and in the slot. Not much you can do there. That fourth goal, though, even Jonas Corposalo said it. He's like, I didn't like my third period. That You can't let a guy like Cole Caulfield score a goal like that that squeaks through you. So that one he'd like to have back for sure. Yeah, Caulfield was all over the ice, right? That was his sixth shot on goal. But of all his shots, that was probably the least dangerous. Like That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like if, if Caulfield's going to beat you, it's probably going to be with a much better shot or it should be with a better shot than that. Yeah, I mean, Monaghan's goal was off of a Caulfield shot where I thought he made a better save. Now, Amama gets beat to the far post. Sean Monaghan just puts it in. That, yeah. to me, is not on Eunice Corpusalo no. in the third period. Ottawa went in with a 3-2 lead. But, yeah, did not like that game-winning goal against from Corpusalo. That's something that he can but, clean up. I, I have a strict rule, though. Um, I don't put down veterans in preseason until the very last game. Now, some people are going to be like, you tweeted that you're done with the job. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little different when you're on a PTO. It's literally a tryout. So, yeah, you are going to be judged. But otherwise, I try not to judge veterans. Otherwise, I would have a lot to say about the Eric Brandstrom and Travis Hamannick pair because both of them were not good. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's going to be your third pair. And they were playing as essentially a top pair last night. So 
it's it's super hard to get a proper judgment over uh, over these types of games. But I mean, t- the Twitter reactions are are hilarious. I I was part of that group that wasn't able to watch the game fully because of blackouts. I mean, blackouts are got to be the most frustrating, infuriating thing in the world of sports. Uh, I don't think any human on the planet Earth understands why blackouts happen or like there's no rhyme or reason to when or where a game gets blacked out and we all pay full subscriptions to watch one team and uh, games get blacked out. So I caught up on the highlights and on Twitter, but uh, from, from what I, I kind of gathered is uh, yeah, not a lot of people happy with that pair Ross. You know what? I don't know if I'm going to do this in uh, the regular season as well. Sometimes we like to keep a little bit behind the curtain, you know, and then we can, we can easily pull out our facts, but Pilsy, just because it was blacked out for you, I'm going to go ahead and share Levy's notebook. New segment alert, Levy's notebook. Nice. Is, uh, <laughs> from during the game. My first note, Josh Bailey wearing an A. Just like they did with Derek Broussard last year. I, I don't understand it. I get they're both very well-respected veterans. But wearing a letter when you don't have a contract, I don't know. There's just something weird to me with that. Like To me, that almost just says he's getting a deal. It's just a matter of when, not if. Yeah, I, I don't know what to read into that. That that is a little weird. Um, not yeah, I got nothing for you, Ross. Not sure the explanation on that decision. I think that means we're going to see Josh Bailey all season long for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, early in the game, I thought it was a good first shift from Castle to Kelly McEwen. I've been hard on them, and overall, I did not think they had a good game, but they did start the game off well. First, a two-on-one rush, and then uh, it was two-on-one the other way, and Parker Kelly was the lone defenseman. I thought he looked like he played defense for years. Slid, took away the passing lane, made uh, Caulfield run out of room. He didn't have a lot to shoot at, ultimately, and Corpusallo made the save. Uh, the power play units, we could touch on that quickly. It was Branstrom uh, running the top with Kubelik, Mr. One-Timer. We saw it over and yep. over again in that game. That scouting report comes true. Smakal, Bailey, and Greg. Ridley Greg might have missed the most wide-open net I had ever seen until I saw Kastelik missed an even a more wide-open net. In the third period, these guys have been hanging out with Alex Debrinkit for far too long. Uh, Interesting to see JBD running the second power play unit. I think that probably tells you more about the uh, offensive capabilities of the six defensive players they dressed. Surprised Hamannick wasn't out there. Power play specialist. No doubt. Matthew Joseph with Igor Sokolov. Cole Reinhardt, who I thought had a particularly strong game. And Mark Kaslik. The uh, PK units were Chartier, Joseph, Branstrom, Hamannick, Bailey, McEwen, Hetherington, and JBD. We don't have to go, you know, uh, goal by goal here. It's a preseason game. But uh, for anyone who says, I don't watch the games, I watch the games, damn it. Okay? This is this is the proof there. But uh, let's talk about Matthew Joseph in the next segment a little bit. I want to I go a little bit deeper into the, the fourth line because to me it really does feel like DJ Smith already has his mind made up. It's going to be Parker Kelly, Mark Kaslick, and Zach McEwen on the fourth line. Like, do you do you wish and maybe this is me kind of projecting and trying to lead you in a certain direction. Don't feel the need to uh, to fall into my trap. But would you not like to see Mark Kastelik, who we believe is going to be the fourth line center no matter what, like at least try different wingers there and just see what happens just for fun? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, Ross. I, I kind of stated before I like the idea of a Kelly, Casty, McHugh in fourth line, but revisiting that, maybe that's a little too much uh 
too much physicality, too much grit, and um, you got to mix in one player with a little more offensive capability. Now, that doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on size, though. We talked about it. Yuri Shmeikow is a big guy. Igor Sokolov is a big guy. So you could throw one of those guys on the fourth line with Casty and then keep one of Kelly or McEwen there as well. But I'm, I'm coming around. Uh, I don't need too much convincing to join your side of, the, of this argument, Ross, that I don't think Kelly and McEwen should play in the same game together, let alone on the same line together. I think that it's a little much. I think it's way too much. And Zach McEwen had that two-on-one rush early in the game. And then like, I don't know what he was doing out there for for some of it. I thought it was a, I I don't want to call it a a dirty hit. I'll just say pretty unnecessary. Like the way that he took the run at Caden Gooley, who's a first round pick for the Montreal Canadiens. So I can get why it caused a reaction from the Habs. And that's cool. I'm, I'm all happy and, and willing to go into the trenches with them any, any night. I like Ottawa's odds on that. But what I do uh, find what he could have done is the route that he took. All he needed to do was take like one step to the, the right. And he would have hit him like shoulder on shoulder. Instead he didn't. And it was a bit of a blind side. Like he got the back yeah. end of the shoulder. All he had to do was take the tiniest little other direction. One extra stride the other way. He would have got just as much of them, but it would have been side by side. It would have been a little cleaner. You got two minutes for boarding. I think that was a fair result. Yeah, I think that's a fair call for sure. And yeah, that's the thing. Like if you're going to be a physical player, you got to learn to do it within the lines. And that's something that you'd think a 26-year-old's been able to learn over the last little while. So anyways, we don't have to get this as a rip fest. If we're this concerned about the fourth line, it means things are looking pretty decent in the top six and the top four on the back end. In our last segment, we've got new line combos. We're expecting that most of the top six will be in the lineup tomorrow. Will Josh Norris make a return? We have an answer to that. And Brady Kachuk, not on the ice today. DJ Smith had an update on him. Stay tuned for that. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at DoorDash. Hey, do you guys love the convenience of getting what you want right to your door? Well, with DoorDash grocery delivery, you can stock up for the entire week or you can order some last-minute cravings conveniently. If you want to watch the game with some snacks, you can make that happen real quick. Let's say you burnt your last piece of toast, your avocados have gone bad, or your hot sauce bottle is empty. Don't worry. Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. Now you've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered, or DoorDash will make it right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. And you want even more value? You can save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a zero, zero dollar delivery free from all eligible orders with the Dash Pass membership. With easy substitutions right in the app and best in class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. And right now you can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use code LOCKED at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off, up to $20 value, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKED. Enter code LOCKED for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Today's episode is also brought to you by Shawarma Palace. Shawarma Palace started with just one 
location, a small restaurant in Ottawa back in 1997. But because of the amazing community and delicious food that they serve, they now have seven locations with more to come, potentially. They were hinting at that on Twitter the other day. Make sure you're following them on Twitter, by the way. Shawarma underscore Palace. They are Sens fans just like you. Now, I mentioned Shawarma Palace. Now, okay, it's a shawarma. What separates Shawarma Palace? People always ask me. One, the garlic sauce is maybe the most delicious thing I've ever had. The pickled turnips in there. Everything from the fresh chicken to the homemade pita, everything is delicious. But what I also love is right after they build it, they put it under the heat press. Everything is just perfectly crispy. You can get that in the sandwich or make sure you get the platter with extra garlic. Yeah, I've got a countdown on my phone for when I'm going to Ottawa, but that may as well be a countdown for when I'm going to Shawarma Palace. You can find us at any of their seven locations, and they are also available on Uber Eats. So make sure to eat like a royal today. Eat at Shawarma Palace. All right, Pilsy. Just a quick aside there. You know how I feel like it's um, a psychological game. I think they played it in the office where, you know, um, every time Jim would ring a bell and then Dwight would get like a treat and then one day rang the bell, but he didn't offer him the treat. and He just like put his hand out. To me, that's like when I talk about Shawarma Palace, I literally just start like my mouth starts watering. Yeah. Hey, (laughs) It happens for a reason. I mean, Shawarma Palace is absolutely delicious, Ross. I can't wait to get back there too. I, I literally always have to like pause at the end of the uh, at the ad read, and I say, "Oh, all right, okay." No, no other Shawarma place compares. Like that, it's you could put them side by side. Easy winner, Shawarma okay. Palace. It's the palace for a reason. Yeah, we're gonna get into line combinations in the final segment, but I can't tease that the captain left with an injury. Or he's hurt. He's not injured. I was going to say, yeah, easy, Ross. Whew. Hurt, not injured. Yes. Um, but I can't leave that for the third segment. I have to let everybody know he took a stick to the face, needed stitches. It's a deep cut. My guess would be that if it was a regular season game, Ross Levitan, not a doctor. Bilzy, stealing that one from you there. And yes. uh, I will say, just let him chill. I know the people out east want to see him. Hopefully you can get into that game, at least in Halifax, if not both up in Cape Breton. They won't play the same lineup in both, I, I would imagine. So No, I don't think so. Except for Drake Batherson, who's been on record and says he wants to play both. Played his, his uh, QMJHL hockey in Cape Breton and grew up in Halifax. So you, you got to understand that from his perspective. But yeah, let Brady heal up. It's good. He's going to look tough. Yeah, get the scar in there too. But Brady Kachuk will not play in the next preseason game. And... That's all right, because it gives others an opportunity to play up in the top six. We'll save the line combos, though. I wanted to put those all together, but Pilsy, I could not leave the people hanging when it comes to the captain not being on the ice. Now, Matthew Joseph was on the ice for the Ottawa Senators last night, had two goals. Like, If you're Pierre Dorian, what goes through your mind as you're watching that all unfold? Well, first off, hopefully it wasn't Thomas Shabbat that uh, high-sticked uh, Kachuk in the face. We know he's got a bit of a history hitting his teammates in the head with a stick. Um, but, man, if you're Pierre Dorian, like, that's best-case scenario is for Matthew Joseph to have uh, a hot preseason. Now, th- I think this might be 
one of the major overreactions on Sen's Twitter. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's it's whatever you want to make of it. It's I'll call it neutral. Um, but I don't I don't know, Ross. Like part of me is is starting to come around and be like, hey, maybe Matthew Joseph's value on the Sens is worth keeping rather than trying to add a sweetener just to get rid of him. Because there's, if there's one thing about this bottom six, not a lot of speed down there. Actually, I'll go as far to say there's almost no speed other than Mark Kaslik, who actually I should insert was uh, recorded as the fastest player. What was that last year? Last skills year, competition? skills competition. Yes, sir. So apologies to Mark Kaslik there. But apart from that, there's not a lot of speed down there. And Matthew Joseph showed one thing he can do very well. It's put the burners on when he needs it. I mean, Ooh. he went coast to coast, buttered the toast on that first one. Like that was impressive play. The, like Jake Allen had no clue where that puck was and he just tucked it in top cheese on him. So either it boosts his trade value and hopefully lowers a sweetener draft pick if that's still the direction they go, or it has Pierre Dorian saying, look, I knew, I knew this was a great contract since I signed it. So we're going to keep them and we're going to move someone else. Now. Wonder what people think of the trade now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Best sound bites ring of honor last Sunday. Go check it out. Absolutely, yeah. Now, a lot of people are getting on me saying, Pilsy, it's time to give up on Branny. That's that's the major kind of takeaway is, okay, if Joseph is being looked at as needing to add a sweetener just to get rid of him, then maybe you shift your cap dump attention to moving Branny. And look, I, I want to make this clear. I, I've i been very clear about why I like Branny. It's the versatility, and if injuries happen and there are injury issues on this decor. He's the perfect guy to jump up and down the lineup, can play left, right, power play, shorthanded, all that kind of stuff for a small sample size. The versatility is what's best for him. But I will acknowledge Brandy's long-term future in Ottawa, as Mark Bethod likes to kind of uh, hit on every time, doesn't look that bright. And I'll agree with that. Like, I, I definitely agree with that. So if you can get some value rather than add a sweetener for trading Brandy, I would be okay with that. Like losing a third pair defenseman is not that impactful on a team's overall roster. I just think Brandy has, can add more value to this team than maybe Matthew Joseph can, especially with all those guys fighting for third line winger positions. So, but also Ross, I'm not entirely sure on Brandy's value league wide. Like I think there has to be a team that likes him. There, there's got to be, but at at what at what cost, right? And and again, it's not about like the thing is if you put this scenario in 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 a vacuum with no cap leverage, Matthew Joseph and Eric Branson are perfectly nice players that rebuilding teams would probably like to bolster their lineup. However, this is a cap world, and everybody knows the situation Pierre Dorian's in. It's one of the most talked about stories. Obviously, we're biased sense fans, but it's a very popular story around the NHL that the Sens need to move cap to sign Pinto. So the value of Brandy and Joseph is kind of irrelevant here because the Sens have no leverage teams knowing they have to move one or heck, maybe even both of those guys at some point to free up some cap space here. So that's the issue you run into. Yeah, I understand that. And if if I'm the Ottawa Senators and it is Eric Brandstrom that I'm deciding, hey, Look, Matthew Joseph, we signed him to be that top nine. And again, yep. 
if in case of injuries, he showed when he played with Norris and Kachuk that he yeah, can. Also a versatile player too, right? He can play both wings up and down the lineup, PK, um, I mean, power play. He's probably not your guy, but he can do it. So that, yeah. that argument can be tossed to Joseph as well. So if that's the case, I'm calling the San Jose Sharks and I say, hey, Eric Branstrom could be exactly what you guys need. Right yeah. now, San Jose Sharks Here. are experimenting with a five-forward power play unit because they legitimately do not have an offensive defenseman on their roster. Their defensive core right now is Vlasic, Ferraro, Ruta, Simic, Benning, Knizov, Burrows, and a guy I've never heard of. Yeah, that, that's actually a good call, Ross. Yeah. Look for the San Jose Sharks, who like making trades with Ottawa, usually for big-name players, Danny Heatley, Eric Carlson, just to name a couple. I think that that would be a great landing spot for Eric Branster for both sides. Cause I think Branny would get an opportunity there yep. that he could either run with, or you'd really see what you could have with him. He's an RFA after this year. So they would San Jose would maintain control of him after this one year deal. They are one of the few teams that have cap space. They've got yep. o- almost $4 million in cap space right now. San Jose would be my call. If you're going to move Eric Branstrom and Pilsy, the other reason, and you say he's versatile, I get that. He's still a left shot defenseman, and he's fourth on left shot defenseman on on the uh, on the depth chart. So even though yeah. even though he's a third pair guy right now, you're already moving a lefty over to the right side. So in case of injury, not that you'd want to have any of your top three on the third pair because they're your three top defensemen overall, not only just lefties, but I just think that. If Mattin Paolo continues, he can show well as as a third pair guy. The the only other guy, and we can kind of use this to transition into our our line combos. Like, I don't know how I don't know how much more development there really is for JBD at this point. Yeah, man, I it's I was it's expecting tough. I was expecting a little more assurance when he has the puck on his stick. He just seems that same timidness that that kind of made me have him as he seems like a quadruple a player where when he's in belleville he's confident with the puck and you know he knows his role is never going to be to put up yeah but he's not even that dominant in belleville yeah like that that's a guy that should be dominant in belleville at this point in his his career and the thing is he's gonna have to be the defensively responsible guy on a pair and he needs a puck mover because i don't yeah like you mentioned i don't love him with uh with the puck on the stick no, it's it's unfortunate, man. You, you've put in so many concentration calories, as our friend mm-hmm. Pete Fry would say, in developmental years since 2018. This guy was drafted the same night as Brady Kachuk. That's how long yep. he's been in the organization. But it almost feels like it's kind of run its course unless he's going to be one of those Dylan Heathering types where it's like, hey, you can play five or six NHL games, but we're also not afraid to put you on waivers. You're probably going to be a top pair guy in Belleville and you can come up and spot play when we need you. I just don't see, he got the one way contract, albeit for a very minimal amount. I think eight Oh five on the cap, but it just like, I don't know. I was hoping to see more out of, out of JBD. Yeah. And it's tough Ross because if JBD is not, not the guy we think and hope he could be and can be, then you would hope that Lassie Thompson, the guy he's always been attached at the hip could take that spot too. But Kind of a similar spot for Lassie too. So, like to have two of your first round draft pick defensemen from back to back years. Well, we're talking five and six years ago now. Uh, Twenty. Not a math guy. Nineteen. Oh, so so five and four years ago now to have none of those guys really pan out. Ugh. Yeah, a couple tough. 
couple swings and misses for sure. Yeah. Uh, as we talk about so much of the Sens great drafting, and there is a lot. Look at all the players that were drafted and developed on this NHL roster, but there's been some misses, but that's every team. Exactly. I, yeah. I think, you know, you, you hit some, you, you miss some at the same time. But uh, I think what we've realized in all this and the conversation of the Matthew Joseph revenge tour is that he is a useful player. Yeah. Uh, I think I, that- I feel like we've maintained that the whole time though, Ross. I don't think we've ever said he's a bad player or we like we have to get rid of him to addition by subtraction type thing. It's right. it's just been the cap cap scenario. Yeah. Which is ultimately a bad look on the organization for having five million dollars in dead money. Yeah, not great. If Matt Murray was still in the Ottawa Senators, these guys injured all the time. Anyways, that's we're going down all <laughs> there. We don't need to do that. But it just, yeah, that's the thing. Relying on a guy to be injured, uh, LTIR, that's what the Leafs uh, do. They've made their bread and butter on relying on guys to be long-term injured. But it's, I don't know, it's not a great strategy. No, no, you don't have to get down that rabbit hole. But it just sucks when you see that $5 million and you're like, wow, they could, have, they could have all these guys with Shane Pinto and potentially someone else for $2 yeah. million bucks if, uh, if they did not have all that money tied up but anyways that's uh that's neither here nor there we do have line combinations where's lassie thompson where's jacob bernard docker who is in a position to succeed we'll let you know next you're listening to locked on senators all right pilsy back Locked on Senators. And if you saw me looking at my phone a few minutes ago, uh, we got a message from Mark Mathot. We want the citizens to actually help out on this one as well. Pilsy, you're, you're in that group, eh? You saw it? Maybe you didn't see because you're more professional than me. You don't look at your phone when we're in the middle of recording LOSP. But uh, Math, Math wants a, a Tim Stutzla stat to use. He's doing the game tomorrow. Elite nice. crew tomorrow night. Math's doing the game. And our boy John Abbott, who nice. last time last time John Abbott did a game, he gave Send Central and the Locked On Sends boys a shout out. So uh, we're huge John Abbott guys, play by play voice on TSN. But yeah, Meth wants a Tim Stutzla stat to impress the viewers. I was gonna say the the splits from when he turned twenty. Like Tim Stutzla's a teenager. Tim Stutzla after he turned twenty, he's like eighth in the league in points. Yeah, I mean, that'll do. I'll co-sign that, uh, that stat to send over. Okay. All right, we'll go with that. And anyone who has a great Tim Stutzel stat, let us know, and we'll send with credit to you. We'll let Meth know. I don't know if Meth will give you credit. The guy's dialed in on TV. He's only got 30 seconds, as he says, yeah. someone in his ear. But uh, we'll, we'll make sure to pass that along. So let us know. A Tim Stutzel stat, and you can be watching the game tomorrow night, and you can say, hey, I gave him that stat. As the, uh, he'll be joining us next week, teeing up the regular season here on Locked On Senators. I sent out a bunch of emails today, so soon we'll find out who's coming on the show and who we're going to have to put on the hot seat. <laughs> we'll stay tuned for all that. No, really looking forward to it. If there's a specific guest who maybe has been on the show before but you really enjoyed, let us know in the comments today. We're, we're in the process right now of, of setting up guests for the next week or so. And Pilsy, Mitch Donnelly is going to be on the show next Tuesday. He's going to both games. Yes. He's going to Breton. He's going in Halifax. He's our Send Central citizen next week. Some good boots on the ground for that. Love it. Mitchell get to see most of these guys then if he's going to both games. Let's start with Group A. We expect Group A will be starting tomorrow night for the Ottawa 
Senators. And there's a notable change. Yes, of course, because Brady Kachuk is not on the ice for practice, but we knew this was coming at some point in the preseason. And that is Vladimir Tarasenko with Tim Stutzla and Claude Giroux. Pilsy, I don't need you to get off on the fact that Tarasenko is still playing the left side, which we know he's never done before in his 14 years in the National Hockey League. But I do like the makeup of that shooter, everything, and everything. I was going to say passer and complete player, but damn, Stutzel and Giroux are both complete players at this point. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I again, I, I don't love the idea of Tarasenko on his, uh, I was going to say offside, but he's more comfortable on his offside left shot on the right wing. But it's preseason. If you're going to try it, now's the time to try it. So I'm, I'm not going to get uh, up in arms over that. I still think, man, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That top line was so good last year. Let's just see Tim Stutzla play with Brady Kachuk and Claude Giroux. But you know what? This is one of those things, which I hope they do with the Castellic line, which I said earlier in the show. Like, try things out, even if you're not going to use them. This is the time to try things out. Put Highmore yep. on the line with Castellic. Highmore showed well in his preseason game with the Ottawa Senators. And, and like, Crooker had that backhand or almost won the game for them. Yeah. In overtime. So hopefully they move things around there. But as it stands right now, Tarasenko will play on the left side with Tim Stutzla and Claude Giroux. We would expect Brady Kachuk would have been on this line with Josh Norris. Great to see, by the way, right after we recorded yesterday's show, we looked and Norris was wearing a not or, or wearing a contact jersey. So he's back in the mix, will not play tomorrow, yeah. but great to see him back skating. He's expecting to get into one, if not two preseason games before they start. He's got East coast ties. I'm sure he'd love to be in the lineup in Halifax, even though he got to go out on the rock in Newfoundland where uh, his, his origins are uh, even before. So he got to do that last year, but Yuri Smakeout. I've been waiting all episode to talk about Yuri Smakeout because I think he deserves this opportunity to be in the top six, quote unquote, for the Senators and be that placeholder for Brady Kachuk. Yeah, they're both units. Like he fills that Brady Kachuk frame being 6'3", 220. But I think that based on merit and play out of all the bubble guys, he's the one who stepped up the most. He had a great, great pass to Dominic Kubalik uh, in last night's game against the Habs on the power play, especially Ross when they showed the secondary angle of it, the corner cam angle. It was a really nice look and he just snuck it in there. So yeah, I would I would agree with you. I would say Yersh Mekal is the front runner in that um, kind of third wing spot that everybody seems to be battling for here. Tomorrow on Locked On Senators, let's do a power rankings of where we think yep. we have these, but also where we think DJ has them. Because yeah, that's the they're two very different things. I could be very different things. The rest of Group A is Chartier in between Crookshank and Highmore, and then Castlick with Kelly and McEwen on the back end. Chikrin Shabbat, Shabbat still on the right side, getting his reps in there. We're both of the mind that Chikrin should be on the right side, yeah. but you know what? Again, preseason experiment. It's all yep. good. It's um, then Sanderson and Zub, Branstrom and Hamannick. That, to me, is your opening night top six. Gannett and Lassie Thompson also out practicing with Group A. The goalies, Corpusallo, Forsberg, and Sinclair. Any thoughts on the rest of that before we move on to Group B, Pills? No, not, not too much here. Uh, it's interesting that they're putting their top six defensemen all together. I think that's a, that's a surprising move, but we'll see. Yeah, I think they should all play in a game here eventually. So why not tomorrow when the when the Winnipeg Jets come to Ottawa and do it in front of your home fans? Yeah, exactly. True. MC uh, some of the top talent on the team. All right, Group B. 
turning our attention to Group B here. And I think the first thing that stands out is like, we're really going to do this Roby Yarventi at center thing. Hey, like we're, we're really going to do that, Pills. I, I mentioned this to you earlier, Ross. I feel like that's Pinto insurance right now. It's just, hey, if things don't work out with Pinto, we, we got to keep the tryouts for third line center going. And Yarventi had success in Belleville as a centerman. And Lord knows we have enough wingers trying to get those wing spots. So if there's a guy that could be more ideal at the center position there, you got to try him out right now. So I think that's why we're seeing Yarventi get a big look there. So Roby Yarventi is between Dominic Kubalik and Matthew Joseph. Pilsy, are you reading into the fact at all that Kubalik and Joseph have been inseparable this training camp? It makes me almost believe more and more that, yeah, that's what Pierre Dorian sees as the third line with Shane Pinto, and, and he's going to try to make it work elsewhere on the back end, basically, and move depth there. Because otherwise, why would he have Kubalik, who he knows is going to be on the team, with Joseph? Yeah, no, I'm reading into that big time. And I think, like, we've always kind of said, unless Joseph gets moved, that's where he's going to stay. And I would love a line of Kubalik, Pinto, and Joseph. I think that would be a great third line. So if that how if that's how it ends up shaking out, I'm down. So in in place of Yuri Smekal, who's moved into Group A, uh, Cole Reinhardt, who I think is very deserving of a boost in yep. where he's been in the lineup. I thought he's shown very well this uh, this preseason. Our guy at Lalim's Marsh and saying he just feels like one of those players that's going to take a long time to get there, but once he does, he'll carve out like a. This is me uh, making the words for it, but like a Colin Greening, Eric Condra type career where it's like your bottom six, but you because you have the speed and the hockey sense, you're going to find a role in maybe it won't be with the Sens, but I, and the fact that also from the 2020 draft, it's just absurd. Let's call this line 2020 vision. All 2020 <laughs> draft picks, Ridley Gregg between Cole Reinhardt and Igor Sokolov. Hey, a little history between Greg and Reinhardt, the former Brandon Wheat Kings teammates yep. there as well, and Belleville. Uh, you could look at that. So they add a little speed to that line. I don't hate that at all. I thought they worked well down low with Smakeout, but with Greg and Sokolov, I, I like this look uh, for a line here that could get some action at the NHL level uh, as soon as tomorrow. But this is, in all likelihood, the non-playing group. Now, the rest of it, Pilsy, um, tough spot for Zach Stavchuk and Boko Imama. Uh, they're pretty much down there with depth pieces and amateur tryout guys. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair for these guys. Like a staff check, I, I really think is going to benefit from uh, getting a solid role in Belleville. I don't think he's going to make the team out of camp here. And Imama, he was a guy, he was one of my players to watch last night. Unfortunately, him not being able to properly tie up Sean Monahan on that goal was not a good look, especially because if you watch the, the wide cam replay, Imama knows that's exactly where he needs to be. He attaches himself to Monaghan and then that doesn't really do much to deter him from getting that puck off, um, off that two-on-one chance. So that was a tough look, unfortunately. Yeah, it really was. Pilsy, what do you want to look into on this decor? I would say what I'm looking into here, Ross, is before we had seen Clevin and JBD kind of paired together, but... Seeing Clevin and Martin Paolo paired together, that kind of makes me think that maybe that could uh, be potential of uh, management and coaching staff seeing Clevin and Martin Paolo being a better matched pair to be a third pair in the NHL, as both of them have proven better than JBD. And uh, I mean, Larson, we know what he is. So, 
Yeah. Now let's move out Jabril Toure, who it's just such a cool story. The Ottawa Senator yeah. put out that uh, video of him calling his mom while he was in the, the room getting his first contract and getting to play his first NHL. I know it was preseason, but at the Bell Center, a very cool move. And I hope that that was by design because uh, I, I just think that's awesome. Uh, but let's be honest, I think it's best for him, at least in my opinion, for him to go back to Sudbury. He was a rookie there last year, albeit at 19. I think he should go be an overager there and feel the puck on his stick because we know he has so many raw tools in his game. I think, I think he should go back. And by the way, we mentioned it, and someone pointed out in the comments, I think this is just really cool. Um, Boko Imama, Matthew Joseph, and Jabril Toure, all African-American athletes because we mentioned they're all from Montreal, playing in Montreal. I think that's a nice wrinkle to it as well, um, showing yeah. off showing up for the minorities and you know i, I just love that storyline as well but let's say Toure's back in sudbury hetherington and lassie thompson was a pair for a lot of last season now i know there's some waivers that would have to go into effect here with well larson jbd and hetherington and you know but if that's your top six in belleville pilsey i think you're looking at a pretty elite team yeah definitely and that that's the thing like belleville's depth is so good right now that i agree with you i think it would benefit Toure to go back to junior because he'd have a hard time cracking this lineup uh, as it is. And uh, maybe then you get uh, Sobrango in the mix here as well. I would love that for Belleville. It's no excuses for Belleville either. We need to get some playoffs down there yes. as well. And uh, that is not a spelling mistake. It uh, seems, and this is from TSN 1200, Sinclair was out there with both groups and Nomad Sogard today. But uh, 1200 has definitely, maybe, potentially, made a mistake or two in the past of uh, of names, but we don't hold it against them because Dean and Gordon are the absolute best. So with all that said, um, lots of changes, but lots is staying the same. It's almost like the more things change during training camp, the more they stay the same. So we're starting to see some trends. Tomorrow on the show, we will get in to our power rankings for the bottom spots on this roster, what we think should be done as we believe, and 1200 posted this one as well, that, Training camp will be split up soon. Saturday, Belleville Senators camp opens on Sunday. The yep. Sens play in Cape Breton on Sunday. So who's getting on the plane and who's getting on the bus? That's what we're going to find out tomorrow. Or sorry, Saturday after. So tomorrow could be the last look for some of these players. So if you're a depth guy, man, do whatever yep. you need to do to make an impact. And just looking, uh, Kelly Moore, sports director for 680 CJOB. They've got all the uh, the Jets coverage uh, in Winnipeg. Um, I might be a little biased to their coverage, of course. <laughs> but um, it looks like they're going to bring a not-so-NHL-ready roster to Ottawa. I don't think we're going to get the top line, the Shifleys, the Connors, the Ehlers in a non-contact jersey. So this is going to be one of those where if you go over to FanDuel, if you're a sicko and like betting preseason – do puck line and just have some fun. Yeah, I think we're seeing this trend, uh, at least in the Atlantic Division part of the preseason. I haven't been following the rest of the preseason teams very closely, but when teams play at home, they're going to bring the stars out. When they're on the road, they're going to get a look at the depth guys. So, yeah, that is a nice little uh, gambling tidbit there for the for the Citizens, Ross. And what about when it's a neutral site game? Who are you going to bring out? Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. You gotta. That's where you gotta look at the hometown roots. Who who's from the area? That's how you're gonna have to approach that one. So McEwen, Josh Curry, Drake Batherson, 
Kevin Mandelazy for Cape Breton. Igor Sokolov. Igor Sokolov for Cape Breton. I think that's a pretty – those five will play. The two for, former so. guys there, uh, Zach McEwen and Josh Curry, are both from PEI. But that's close enough. If you're a Maritimer, you're in there. I wonder if this McKinnon guy, they're keeping him around at camp. He's an East Coast guy too. I wonder if they're going to give him a game or – I mean – when are they going to cut? Like they cut two of their amateur tryout guys. I'm just curious, like what's going on with the other guys? I guess for Solnier and I guess McKinnon as well, because McKinnon is actually signed now that I look at it to a one-way AHL contract. Okay. So they're probably just waiting for for camp to open for Belleville on Sunday, and and they'll stick around for that. Um, any final thoughts on today's show, Pelzi? We're getting ever so close. We are. Are we less than a week away? No, we're less than two weeks away. <laughs> Calendar guy. Too long, man. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier. Like six games should be the maximum. I really think the preseason should be five games. Uh, but hey, I'm not about to complain about getting too much Sens hockey right now. So that's my final thoughts is sure preseason may seem too long, but you just get more Sens hockey. Yes, that's exactly it. And tomorrow we're going to find out when the Sens are skating in just a little while. We're, we're t- trying to time up here. I know people appreciated the early drops. Uh, we will do that on, on certain days. When we can, yep. When we can. It's uh, it's not always uh, tenable, attainable, as I'm trying to say. Yeah, there you go. That's uh, better. <laughs> tenable. Tenable? Tenable. I don't think that's a word. Able to be maintained or defended against attack or objection. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's getting word of the day, but. No, no, let's do it. We haven't done it in a while. Word of the day. Tenable. Able to be maintained or defended against attack or objection or in an office position or scholarship, able to be held or used. So, yeah, I think it's not tenable for us to be doing the show <laughs> at 11 o'clock at night all the time. But sometimes, <laughs> hey, once the postcast comes around, people won't want it because you get the yeah. postcast on your way to work. And then you get the Locked On Senators daily updates on the way home. Lots of great guests. A reminder to let us know in the YouTube comments, who do you want to hear leading into the season? We've got on our list of people we've reached out to. Let's put them on the hot seat. Make sure they answer. Uh, Dean yep. Brown, Gord Wilson, John Abbott, Mark Mathot, Cheryl Pounder, Keith Kachuk, um, Brian Boucher, and more. And more. And more. We'll leave it at that for today. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. Have a great day, everyone. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.